This is hour number two of the John and Leah show. This is the program where each and every week we take a look at the news of the week and the events of our often bizarre lives, and we do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com, where you can check out each and every one of the 22 different radio stations across this formerly great nation of ours which broadcast this program on a weekly basis. So much to get to over the next two hours. We continue with our review of the big first debate between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, and we do so to kill two birds with one stone through the eyes of how Saturday Night Live and their new Donald Trump, Alex, Alec Baldwin, uh, chose to portray it rather accurately and humorously last night. And the first clip we played dealt with the issue of Trump's taxes. And, I, and Leah, I, it's my perception that when it comes to Trump, a lot of times, and this is at least mostly my fault, I am misperceived because when I'm giving political analysis, it sounds like I'm giving what I think as opposed to how I think it's going to impact the election. See, I've already, I really don't even have a dog in this hunt anymore. I don't want either person to be president. I, I do not want to have anything to do with having uh, promoted Donald Trump in any way, shape, or form because it is my view that conservatism, the Republican Party, and the country will all be in far worse shape in six to ten years from now if Donald Trump is president than if he is not. And I can explain why that is in a, in a later point. But my, my, the reason why I mention it now is that my view on this is very much from, from up above, if you will. I'm looking down on it almost like a play-by-play announcer as where the game is going, who's going to win, who's going to lose. And the tax issue, I know it doesn't matter to you. It doesn't matter to 99% of Trump's voters. But the polls indicate it does matter to the people who have yet to decide. And, you know, remember who these people are. They're very low information voters. I refer to them almost every week as idiots, imbeciles. These are the people who decide presidential elections in our modern era. And to them, it's new information. In a very high-profile event, the most high-profile there is, this first debate, that Trump has not released his taxes, and Hillary was volunteering information that, oh, by the way, in at least two years, he hadn't paid any federal income tax, and then, oh, by the way, not once but twice, Trump seemed to verify that. And then the New York Times comes out with this bizarre story where did you see how they they got the tax information from 1995? Leah, were you able to? I know you. Yeah, they just like opened opened the mail or something. Yeah, uh, in, in they the got mail a letter on on September 23rd, a New York Times reporter got in the mail three pages of Donald Trump's. By the way, not federal, but his I believe his state and a local. I don't know. I don't. I don't believe his federal income tax return was in was part of that. But the point is that three pages of his tax return for 1995 was mailed to a New York Times reporter. They were able to verify, I believe correctly so, that those are, in fact, his a portion of his taxes, a small portion of his taxes from 1995. What's really interesting and mysterious is that the return address on the envelope was Trump Tower. Now, I don't know if they know whether or not that's accurate or not. I have to tell you that there's an argument to be made that the Trump people wanted this out there. Uh, Now, why they would trust the Times to do it in a way that 
benefited them, I have no idea. And Trump's ego is so large, I doubt he would have wanted the year in which he took an almost billion-dollar loss to be headlines. So I, I'm, I'm eliminating the Trump campaign provided the taxes through a third-party theory, even though that there's there's something theoretically to that. Trump's ego would never let that happen. Do you agree? There's no— Oh, no. Yeah, no. there's no way. Yeah. I mean, if, if there was, if this was going to happen, especially the first one, which was going to get more publicity, because there's going to probably be, be more now, because because now that the first one's out, other people are going to feel like they have the coverage to to, or maybe the same source will have the coverage to release more. But there's no way that Trump would approve of a year in which he took a billion, almost a billion dollar loss in one. Year and by the way, had only six thousand dollars in personal income. Six thousand dollars. Now he made income in other ways, but six thousand dollars in a year in which he took a nine hundred and like seventeen or sixteen million dollar. It was about those three casinos, right? There was it was this was a time period in which his casinos were tanking, the bankruptcies were happening. By the way, the real estate market was also doing poorly. But here's here's where the New York Times did Trump a huge favor. They portrayed this. And I I really would like to believe, although I, in, in, in the past, when I still had any faith at all in the mainstream news media or the New York Times to have, be competent and tell the truth, I would presume that this is the case, but I can't anymore because I know they're a bunch of frauds. They might just be flat-out incompetent. But it, it, well, the way I read the story, they came to a conclusion and an assumption based upon no information that this loss was would be the basis for Trump to potentially never pay federal income tax for the next 18 years. Okay. Uh, go ahead. This is where I have a huge issue with this story. Uh-huh. Okay. This is the biggest bunch of BS that's been put out there because but, but it's actually number in his one, favor. It's in his favor. We, no, it's not. Okay. Because the story is he doesn't pay his taxes. No, 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 no. That's what everybody's hearing. No, well, maybe that, now, that might be part, part of what they're hearing. That's what everybody's hearing. Okay. Because they put it out there that, uh, number one, this could mean right. that for the next 20 years he didn't pay any taxes. Right. Now, we're not saying that he did anything wrong. Right. But the the whole story is that he took this billion dollar loss and right. therefore he's not paid taxes for 20 years. That is the narrative that's going to be out there. And I actually think that that's the best narrative Trump could hope for because hear hear me out, Leah. Let's let's game plan. It, it clears him for the 20 years that Hillary Clinton's talking about. Well, it clears him for, theoretically if you're if if people are only concerned about what's legal and to me there's a big difference between what's legal and what's presidential there used to be a different standard but i realize we're now living in the era of clinton and trump so i guess maybe there's not a different standard between what what's legal and what's presidential um but you know he's never been indicted or arrested or anything like that and we don't we don't have any of the details on on all these different audits that he's experienced but currently I believe that that narrative that the New York Times has set is the best Trump could hope for because he can 
do as Rudy Giuliani claimed on the on the morning shows to be brilliant. I'm just a brilliant businessman taking advantage of the tax laws, and I know the tax laws best, and I can change them, and and I can fix all these loopholes so that these fat cats can't you know get okay, rich well, off of you. So that that actually, that's a bad narrative right there. That's a that's no, but a that's mistake. the best. But Leah, that's the best he can do. This okay. Because, and by the way, hear me out again. If it's if that's not accurate, or if there's a better story to tell, guess what Trump can do, Leah? Give me. Can you can you think about what Trump could do if, in fact, his story? Well, he's is... going to have to release him now. Okay, well, see, that's that... what this is all about. Well, but see, that's my point. If he's got a better story to tell, they have now set him up to look fan frickin tastic nah Be- yes they oh no there's gonna be way there's no way well that's because he doesn't have a better story to tell leah if okay, he had a better thing. if he had i a be- don't for me uh what is the percentage of americans that pay federal taxes what is it well according to mitt romney it's uh 53 but it's, it's somewhere in the 50 percent range depending on your definitions okay. listen <clears throat> if there was a way that I could not pay a dime <sighs> right. of federal tax, right. I'd do it. Okay, but as a billionaire. If it was as possible. A, as a billionaire, that's a, see, you're not running for president. Right. Now, you're not running if, to be head of the IRS, Leah. Well, you're, neither you're, was he in not, 1995. No, but, Leah, when you're, when you're running for president, especially when you've never held elected office, your entire life is your resume. And so, only so if you you're don't, a Republican. You, you don't have, well, that's life. You don't have, he would not have the moral authority if elected president, to request that Americans pay their fair share or, or adhere to, the, to the, uh, the, the essence of the tax laws, which, are, by the way, most people don't even fully appreciate this. Most, most of tax payment is voluntary. It's, it's self-policed. So in a self-policed system, you can't have a president who didn't pay when he claims to be a multi-billionaire for 20 years. But my mo- but, so we don't know that, well, number we, one. Guess number what? two, guess how we has can he learn. ever, ha- has he cheated? Uh, Is that what we're accusing him of? But Leah, Leah, he can fix all this. That's what I'm saying. If he's got a better story to tell, he can kick the ass of the New York Times and have the last laugh. Here, my taxes. Go screw yourself. Because I did pay, and look how much I paid, and I never cheated. And I and here's what here's exactly how that loss uh, transpired, and why it doesn't prove me to be a, a, a fraud as a business person taking almost a billion dollar loss in a in a year, by the way, where the stock market went way up. So um, he he, it's all in his hands. It's all in Trump's hands, unless of course he's a fraud. And we got to take a break. When we come back, I want to. Maybe it's just a businessman who wrote off a huge loss because let's look at the economy then. It was not that great. Real estate. Like you said. Right, but a billion dollars. A billion dollars. Three casinos. A billion dollars. This is this is a guy running on his record I mean, as a business wizard. He he takes a billion dollar loss in, in one the year. The art of the comeback. Now, Don't on. you remember that book? Okay. I gotta take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more on the John and Leah show. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. A couple more quick 
moments on Trump's taxes, then we'll get back to Saturday Night Live's version of what happened in the big debate earlier this week. Leah, look, um, there's a couple of reasons why I, I think this is significant. It's significant from a political standpoint because this guy, Trump, is running on his business record, and he's it's mysterious and seemingly nefarious, since they don't trust him already, that he won't release his taxes. I don't know whether you're right that he'll be forced to, but this is going to come up again. It's going to come up again at the debate on October 9th on Sunday. And and one of the reasons why this is going to keep coming up, one, the New York Times is implying they already have more information and they know who the source of these, these tax returns from 1995 is. But also, you know, I'm not an expert in this area at all, but there is no way that in 1995 he was able to take almost a billion-dollar loss without there being at some point some major debt forgiveness. And my understanding is that that may be the area where he's cheating, if there's some cheating going on. is if you Because debt forgiveness is effectively income taking away from the loss. And, and the reason I mention this is you may recall a few weeks ago I told the story of my father being part of of the loan that Trump right. got, and how in 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 frontline on PBS this week, almost to the letter, almost to the letter, backed up my father's story. It was almost like my father was interviewed, which he was not. Backed up the story a hundred percent of how Trump survived the early nineties, and the that's the, what his whole. All of this stuff is in that book, uh, hold on. which makes me think maybe they did pass this along. Okay, well, here's why it matters, all right? One of the reasons why it matters. It, it, in my view, the way that tr- what tr- really impacted Trump's life, Trump was a, an inch a, away from being destroyed, okay? Yes. And the banks decided, and my father was a small part of this, so he w- was part of the loan for the, the yacht, the Trump princess, and also dealt with the Mar-a-Lago situation as well. But basically what ended up happening was the banks decided that Trump was more valuable to them and less dangerous to them alive than dead. And they, Too big to fail. That's exactly the phrase that my father used and exactly the phrase Frontline on PBS used this week. Too big to fail. And because his name brand still had enough value, he was worth more to them alive than if they killed him. But in order to do that, they forgave a lot of these debts. They even gave him an allowance. According to Frontline, $450,000 a month, an allowance so that he could portray himself as having this lavish lifestyle so that no one would think he was broke. The reality is... He is a fraud. He's not a business wizard. And this experience, Leah, talk about out of the theoretical into the practical. We didn't get a chance to talk about this a couple weeks ago, but I sent you the clip of him on CNBC talking about our debt with China, or China, as he says, (laughs) in the same way that he thinks of his own debt, as if we're too big to fail as a country so we can threaten to default on it. It's not the same thing. That is incredibly dangerous to have a person who thinks we have leverage over China because we owe them money. Because we can't default. It would be catastrophic for the world. But that's what we're dealing with here. More coming up next on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. 
Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. We continue with our review of the big first presidential debate between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump this week through the prism of how Saturday Night Live portrayed it last night, uh, which was both uh, humorous and pretty darn accurate as Alec Baldwin took over the role of Donald Trump and Leah Lester Holt, in the real version of the debate, as I've previously said, absolutely picked almost a perfect playing field for Hillary Clinton, bringing up almost every single topic, with a couple of exceptions. Topics that would she would have been thrilled for him sure. to, to discuss. I mean, if, 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 if she had chosen the topics, and I, I know there's some nut jobs out there that think that somehow she was communicating... Uh, with uh, Lester Holt by, by scratching her nose and all sorts no, of no, insane. No, it, it's the, haven't you seen the cleaner with the folder? Oh, whatever. I, I, I'm so sick. <laughs> I'm so sick and tired of the conspiracy insanity to make up for what this, this, this disgraceful human being, Donald Trump, choked in a debate. So now we have to come up with all these excuses. All I know is what's on the internet. All right. Anyway, so it gets back to reality. So the topics chosen by Lester Holt were very much to the liking of Hillary Clinton. One of them was Donald Trump's position on the Iraq war, which he has continually maintained. He was against the war when there's absolutely positively no evidence to suggest that that's the case, but Trump refused to accept that. In fact, triple down on um, my least now favorite former conservative talk show host, Sean Hannity using him as his his witness that somehow in uh, before the Iraq War he was against it. Here's what Saturday Night Live said about that through Alec Baldwin. Let's move on to national security, Mr. Trump. You've criticized Secretary Clinton for voting for the Iraq War, but you yourself supported the war. Wrong, the wrong, wrong. <laughs> You're being very mean to me tonight, Coltrane. Very mean. To me. <laughs> I was against the war. Ask anyone in the world named Sean Hannity. I told Sean Hannity, call Sean Hannity. You told Sean Hannity on his show, and there's proof. No, I told him in private. It was just me and Sean. Late at night, I leaned over and I whispered in his ear, Sean, I'm against the war in Iraq. And then he whispered in my ear, I'm against the war too. And the next thing I knew, I was kissing Sean Hannity. <laughs> to admit i appreciated that clip uh, more than any other because i have come to despise sean hannity uh, for having uh, completely and totally sold out in every possible way uh, okay. to donald trump yes leah this to me was a um this was a sign of poor judgment during the debate by trump you mean uh, yeah. Yeah, you're going to use... To bring up Sean Hannity? Right. First of all, the entire world hates Fox News. Right. Uh, and you're on a debate stage, and he's going to be your guy? No. Uh, you, Leah, your instincts on this are exactly right. Having nothing to do with my disdain for Sean Hannity, the reality is, politically speaking, 
bad. One of the few things Trump has going for him is that he's not perceived as a right-wing nut job, right? And so right. so here he is making, you know, his big first impression to a lot of nonpartisan voters and he brings up a name who they either don't know who it is, a lot of them have no idea who Sean Hannity is, or, or they can't stand him. Or right, exactly. <laughs> or they perceive him to be oh, isn't he one of those nutty conservative now former conservative uh, radio talk show hosts? And so it removes, at least in part, one of Trump's best selling points to the undecided voter. The other part of this, which I don't know if you agree with this or not, but why, other than your own damn ego, why don't you just say, you know what? I wasn't a political figure back then, and I didn't have a really strong opinion either way. Uh, and, you know, in retrospect, here's what I think we learned, and here's where the screw-ups were. That's a perfectly legitimate answer, but his ego won't let him. He won't let it go. And, yeah. and so— the It's re- the dog with the bone. And, well, and, and I think they knew that, which is partially why, you know, Hillary was thrilled to, to sit there and, and have this be the discussion, because, frankly— the Iraq war is a much bigger problem for her because to her base, her vote for the Iraq war is a, a, a mortal sin. I mean, that's why they don't trust her. And so that's what he should be focusing on politically. Instead, he, he wants to believe that he's super smart. Now, I don't believe for a second, for a second, that he told Sean Hannity in 2002 or whenever it was, that whether it was in bed lying next to him before a, an embrace or a kiss, uh, I don't believe for a second that in a private conversation, Donald Trump told only Sean Hannity, Sean Hannity and only Sean Hannity, I'm against the war in Iraq, as if that would matter. The reality is he told Howard Stern, yeah, I guess I'm in favor of it. I wish it would have done right, been right, done right the first time. That's what he said on September 11, 2002. That's the only known remarks he ever made uh, before the war that were you know, even close to being affirmative or negative, and it was obviously more towards the affirmative, he keeps lying, I mean, completely, just flat-out lying about the fact that he was against the war at the beginning of it in an article in Esquire magazine, because the article in Esquire magazine came out way after the war had started and started to turn badly. So he's just lying. I mean... Yeah, it's a lie. And so it's not only a lie, it's not a very helpful one. Uh, by the way, I, I, I haven't seen anybody, maybe you have, Leah, has anybody even gone back and, and researched whether Trump was even appearing regularly on Hannity's TV or radio shows back in 2002, 2003? Because people have to remember, he was a Democrat for all intents and purposes back then. He wasn't pretending to be a Republican or a conservative. I, I don't know this. I, I would be happy to be stand corrected, but to my recollection, I have no memory of Donald Trump and Sean Hannity being buddy-buddy uh, like that back in 2002, I, I have, 2003. I have no idea. Okay. Well, you know, a- the problem with Donald Trump is he has allowed himself to be led into conversations which he has no business or even any reason to have to respond. The Iraq war has nothing to do with Donald Trump, period. 
He was never a senator, a congressman, anything like that. It has nothing to do with him. Why in the world he dragged himself into it? That's his own fault. Well said. And to me, this is not a shock. This is exactly what we would have expected from Donald Trump. As uh, Dennis Green, a now deceased former NFL coach, once famously said, they are who we thought they were. <laughs> that's that's what Donald Trump is. He is who we thought we he is. So we, that's a horrendous uh, butchering of the English language. But he is exactly what we thought he would be. But this is why I screamed and yelled for almost a year why he should not be the nominee. He's not to be, be trusted in these situations because he's more concerned about Trump than he and his own ego and his own image, even on stupid little things like whether he was against or in favor of the Iraq war before it began, than he is about actually winning the election. And uh, on this, I think we probably, uh, at least mostly, okay, agree. Okay, well, it was, was my... That's sort of what I alluded to about his performance... In the debate. Right. No, he's, he's, he's terrible. He was terrible. And it's, it was mostly over ego issues. I mean, almost entirely over ego issues, which leads us to the next clip that I want to play from Saturday Night Live, because um, this deals with the interjection of the former Miss Universe that became the subject of so many different news stories, largely because Donald Trump couldn't shut up about it or couldn't stop tweeting about it at, at fourth or five o'clock in the morning, whatever it was. Uh, and I will be the first to acknowledge this was the biggest setup in the history that I can ever remember of debates. Uh, and Hillary got away with it. And Saturday Night Live basically mocked her for that. This was how Saturday Night Live dealt with the whole former Miss Universe issue. Secretary Clinton, did you have a response? Um. <laughs> Not a response, more of a request. Can America vote right now? Well, this has been an illuminating debate, but now it's time for our final... Alicia Machado! I'm sorry, what was that? Who was who Alicia Machado? Uh, thank you for bringing that up, Lester. Uh, she is a strong, beautiful, political prop that I almost forgot to mention tonight, even though we already made a web video about her. Uh, Alicia Machado was Miss Universe in 1996. Where'd you find this? And Donald Trump <laughs> called her Miss Piggy. No, how do you know this? And Miss Housekeeping. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Mr. Trump, your response. Lester, why are we talking about this woman? We should be talking about the important issues like Rosie O'Donnell <laughs> and how she's a fat loser. And everyone agrees with me, and I just wanted to bring that up in a presidential debate. Right at the end, my own volition, good idea, I did it. Secretary Clinton, why are you crying? I'm, I'm sorry, Lester. It's, it's, this is going so well. <laughs> that is the greatest clip from that show. That is hysterical. All right, well... I, I agree with you that it was funny. Uh, it was also pretty darn dead accurate, especially the yeah. part about, I'm just going to bring up Rosie Where'd O'Donnell right now because it's on my own volition. It's really smart. I just did it. <laughs> because that's exactly what happened. I mean, Trump completely panicked. He completely choked. I mean, the business about, where did you find out about that? How did you hear about that? What? That is so funny. And he sounds exactly like but, him. I mean, that was a choke moment. I mean, that was a guy 
who had run out of gas, who knew it was going badly, who knew he was getting his ass kicked by a girl, who panicked and made it so much worse than it needed to be. But then, but then his ego wouldn't let it stop. That was only the beginning of the whole Alicia Machado story. When we come back, we'll discuss what happened after that, after the debate, plus uh, one more Saturday Night Live clip, which you'll enjoy, right here on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Continuing with our rather unique review of the first presidential debate between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. And uh, Leah, this Alicia Machado situation, I think we both agree, a complete, total, obvious setup, the likes of which a Republican candidate could never, ever get away with. Or th- conceive. Right. No, exactly right. Because because <laughs> it would never come up with it. Well, because it wouldn't be an option. I mean, it's a perfect example. It's just an amazing coincidence that Cosmopolitan magazine happened to come out with a major profile, including with photos of her wrapped in the American flag <laughs> that night. I mean, just so fake. Just just happened. Just have just a pure coincidence. They decide, you know what? Alicia Machado is somebody we really need to feature uh, on the night of the debate. And then, of course, uh, all as, the world's a stage. Well, exactly. Everyone's an actor. And. You know, and Hillary's in that Saturday Night Live clip we we played. Uh, they reference she referenced the actress playing her references the fact that the campaign already had a rather sophisticated video ready to go the next morning. But of course, Trump fell right into the trap, worse than they could even I think the Clinton campaign could possibly have ever imagined. And it wasn't just his bizarre, rambling, incoherent. Uh, answer where he basically melts down in front of 84 million people because this issue was raised, he wouldn't let it go. And he wouldn't let it go for days. And then it it culminates with an epic Twitter storm at, I believe it was actually five o'clock in the morning. Uh, He tweeted on some other stuff at three something in the morning, but he references, go check out her sex tape. Yep. He, which, by the way, you can argue whether it's really a sex tape or not, uh, but you know, not exactly the presidential thing to do to be referencing a woman's "quote unquote" sex tape at an early morning tweet about an issue that you should have just let go and let it ride out uh, four days after the debate. To me, this is a classic example of how the debate itself and his reaction to it is the ultimate proof that he should not be president. What was your reaction, Leah, to the whole Alicia Machado situation? Uh, well, I mean, uh, look, <laughs> this was clearly a setup. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I'm not, look, uh, i tell you what my reaction is, Zig. I'm tired. I'm just worn down. How many more issues can possibly come up? I mean, 
When is the election? What's the date? I just want to get this thing in the books. How many more Sundays do we have? I I think we've got five, including tonight. I couldn't agree with you more, Leah. I get it. but but Because... Because what happens in situations like this when we have jobs like we have is we're forced to look at the idiots that are coming up with these things and we have to take apart how they reacted, how it's affecting the country. Just bring me the election! I don't care about Alicia or whatever her name is, Machado. And someone needs to take away Donald Trump's phone. My goodness, could we not have had this done six months ago? Well, uh, frankly, I don't know if this is what you're referring to, but one of the things I thought about, not just with the Machado situation, but that was emblematic of it, is what a bunch of freaking cowards the GOP contenders were to let Donald Trump go by without a serious vetting, all because people like Ted Cruz and I'm sure Marco Rubio to a certain degree were so afraid that if they destroyed Trump, they wouldn't get his voters. Right. They wouldn't, they wouldn't get his voters. They, so they kept thinking Trump was going to implode on his own. We don't need to provoke it. So we're not going to force his vetting. And of course the news media, which was making a boatload of money, they weren't going to force his vetting either. So nobody had an incentive to fully vet this, this SOB until it was too damn late. And of yeah, course, and let me, let me just say one thing about the debates, Zig, because what we've seen, especially on Twitter, you and I, is that the rabid Donald Trump supporters, what were they holding out for? Oh, he was going to crush her. He was going to crush her. He was going to kill her. He was going to wipe the state. Well, she has Parkinson's, of course. So, I mean, of course he was going to crush her. I mean, he was going to end up, he was going to be standing over her body in the fetal position while she was sucking her thumb by the end of the thing. Okay. Weird how that didn't happen. And to that point, all I would say to those people who were so convinced that he was going to destroy her in a a debate was, what did he do with little Marco when little Marco schooled him like I've never seen on Cuba? Right. All right? He's got nothing but insults. Right. This was never going to go well in a debate situation with Hillary Clinton. Bingo. Ever. Bingo. Now, you're 100% right on that. And by the way, you mentioned Cuba. I will say, and I don't think that this is what he was thinking because it gives him too much credit, but the the Alicia Machado Twitter storm early morning did do one thing really important, and that is that at least temporarily it wiped off the media map the story in the cover of Newsweek that Trump's organization apparently broke the Cuba embargo in, in an attempt to research a golf course in Cuba, which you are hemming and hawing because I'm presuming you don't think is a big deal. It's a huge deal because, by the way, Kellyanne Conway on The View the next day effectively acknowledged it, the story was true, that Trump campaign has not in any way, shape, or form uh, contradicted any of the story. They All they did was threaten to sue, which is, that's the telltale sign, by the way, that you're telling the truth about Donald Trump. He threatens to sue you uh, be, before you even try to say something. 
That, that's, that's, and so this story is true. And Marco Rubio himself has said these allegations are very troubling. And he wants to hear Trump's side of the story, which we're never going to hear unless it comes up at the debate on Sunday, which it might. I guarantee you it will. Uh, well, <laughs> if, if Anderson Cooper has anything to do with it, it will. And if it, unless Trump knocks that question out of the park, the election is over. It's over, not because Americans as a whole care about the embargo against Cuba. Because Cuba and Florida. You cannot win Florida as a Republican unless you have massive support from the Cuban community. And that's the one thing they care about is don't mess with Castro. It's, I mean, we couldn't have picked a worse person to be our nominee, especially against this loser who should have been destroyed. But she got the one guy she could beat. And that's what's most likely going to happen. More on this when we come back in hour number three of the John and Leah Show.